Hey there, and welcome to Prepare Like a Pro live chats. My name is Jack McLean. I created Prepare Like a Pro early in the year after being stood down as a strength and conditioning coach at the Hawthorne Football Club. I'm working with male and female developing footballers all over the country. And if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, head over to my website, preparelikeapro.com.au, where you can uh, check out my training packages, as well as I've got free training programs that you can download directly from my website. Hey, Simone. Good evening. How are you going? Good. Yourself? Yeah, going well. Give you a, a quick yeah. intro. Yeah. So for those that don't know, Simone is a practicing and passionate dietitian. I was lucky enough to work with Simone at the Hawthorne Football Club where she worked with the athletes, both developing their cooking skills as well as their nutrition and knowledge around nutrition for recovery as well as preparation for training and games, amongst many other things. During her time at Hawthorne, she had a huge amount of success. So she was involved with three premierships. And then prior to that, I've done a little bit of research, Simone. And I didn't know about, I didn't know about all this. There's a huge list to go through. But you've been heavily involved in sport. So two World Cups, which included two Ashes, and a premiership with the Storm, and as well as being involved in Western Bulldogs, as well as Melbourne City. So definitely a leader in her field. Not only has she had great experience and plenty of success, but she's also um, a media spokesperson for Nutrition, or Dietitian Australia, sorry. And she's a author of her book, which is Eat Like an Athlete, which is very fitting for tonight's chat. Thanks for joining us. We're very lucky. Great to be able to chat to your listeners. Yeah, yeah, this is sort of the new age, the new world, isn't it? Connection through social media. So, thank heavens for Melbourne nights, though, we can get a little bit of freedom, can actually get to see people a bit now, can't we? Yeah, there's plenty of momentum. Melbourne's sort of woken up, which is exciting. We'll, we'll dive straight in. So, take me through the beginning. At what age did you realize your passion for nutrition, oh. dietitian, and Food. Yeah, it goes way, it does go back. Year 10 of high school, I yeah. loved PE. I liked home ec, it was called back then, and I liked sort of biology, but I knew I didn't want to be a, a doctor or a nurse or anything that involved blood or gore. Yeah. I wasn't going to be a chef because I didn't think, I, I didn't like the hours and the hard work they'd probably have to put in. Yep. So the food and the sport and everything, a dietitian, yeah, I thought that's it. And I went and did work experience at one of the local hospitals. In Oh, fantastic. And is home ec like cooking classes and teaching? Yeah, yeah. so I, I liked cooking and I liked food, but not to the point of wanting to be a chef. So yeah. dietetics and sport and a sports dietitian means that I could combine the love of sport and the food and, and the um, medical sort of part all into one. Yeah, and how much has it changed over your career, sport dietetics? Yeah. Well, if I think about, you said I used to work at the Western Bulldogs. So if I think about when I was first there, to start with, the players would train after work. So I would come after my day job and likes of people like Brad Johnson and Luke Darcy and things were my athletes when I said that. Fantastic. And then there was probably much more emphasis on having things like carbohydrates from sports drinks and big bowls of pasta and, and more of the lollies and quick carbs and now i think i've got much more focus on getting your carbohydrates from quality carbohydrates where you're going to get other nutrients as well more the whole grain carbs and water generally is your main drink but getting your carbohydrate from fruit at half time or things that give you other nutrients as well so that's probably yeah. the big yeah for sure and so did you say with those western bulldog players they were working during the day just it was back when yeah, football, yeah. right? So, tradie, like they're doing physical exertion, I imagine, outside well, of the sport. Um, some of them, but if I think yeah. of someone like um, uh, Matthew Croft, I think he's uh, an accountant, or so there was a big yeah, okay. range 
of people, but they would the day job, then we'd come training, it'd be like 5.30 to 7.30 type time, lights would be on, it'd be getting dark, it'd be cold in winter. Yeah. Um, the Western Oval we were still playing at, and I can remember sitting in the stands watching the games with the reserves players and the wooden stands, and you'd be thumping your feet on the ground when you got a goal, and yeah, yeah very fantastic. different. Yeah, and so Western Bulldogs, was that your first role out of your degree? So um, I went into, first of all, under 18s at a team and helped out with the Sandingham Dragons and had a mentor, another dietitian who, Karen Inge and Lorna Garden, who were into sports dietetics. But I actually took a role in community health. So I was working at two community health centres and a GP practice doing more health promotion and seeing the general public and sport I tended to do after I'd finished that, my day job. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. And and what is the big difference between being a nutritionist and being a a dietitian? That's a good question. So a dietitian, when I did it in Victoria, there was only one course. You did a science degree. You could do that where you wanted to, and I did mine at Monash. And then you would do your master's in nutrition and dietetics, which was at Deakin. Nowadays, you can do it at about four or five unis in Melbourne and heaps of others across Australia. Yep. But generally, it's a science degree first and then either one year extra or your master's. And that's a dietitian. A nutritionist, some dietitians will call themselves a nutritionist, mm-hmm. but a nutritionist doesn't really have a set qualification. So it could be a six-week course that you do online. Right. Interesting. So it's really important people do check to yeah. see what, what they're getting and, and what the qualifications go with it when someone calls themselves a nutritionist. Yeah. And is there layers to being a dietitian? Like, is there like a clinical dietitian compared to a sports dietitian or is it more depending on your experience as a dietitian? Yeah. So your course is very medical-based and very clinical-type-based, yeah. which really actually needs to be at first because even if you're a sports dietitian, you still have to be the general medical sort of base dietitian first because the person, the athlete is a person before they're an athlete. Yes. So if you've got a gut health problem or diabetes or a digestion issue or celiac disease or gluten intolerance, whatever it yeah. might be, yeah. you have to understand that first before you do the sports. Yes. So the sports bit is then another course at Sports Dietitians Australia 1 and I've just finished being president after five years at Sports Dietitians. Oh, okay. So you do the course there and then you do practice in the area and more professional development in the area and it's sort of a point system until you become an accredited uh, an accredited sports dietitian and then you can become an advanced sports dietitian wow. as well. So it's quite a process, yeah. Yeah, yeah and even to be, just to be to keep up your accreditation, it's a bit like physio or podiatry or the other areas, you still have to show your crediting body a certain amount of professional development every year. Okay, cool. Yeah. Her name, but you mentioned uh, someone who influenced you early on. Who's been the biggest influence throughout your career? Or is there a few that come to mind that have sort of been mentors yeah. and yeah, helped you along mm. the way? Do you know there's a few in dietetics, but there's also outside of dietetics. But the first one I mentioned was Lorna Garden and Karen Inge. And so I did my uh, sort of elective placement during my dietetic degree in sport because there's not much sports dietetics in your basic course. And or was it when I did it? There's a bit more now and I do some lecturing at some of them. But mm. I, um, I did a placement with Karen Inge in sports dietetics and she was the first dietitian in AFL. Oh, wow. She was at Collingwood first and then she was at Hawthorne and she was at Hawthorne for a lot of years. Yeah, so she was the first in AFL. What was happening before then? Were they consulting with some or just wasn't part of it? No, so years ago, so I think Karen would be probably maybe 20 years ago and she was the first, that was the first time and she did it as a project, like a research project first and her. 
And then it moved on to, to having dietitians involved. Yeah. Fantastic. And so going when you worked with AFL teams and, and even with soccer and, and Melbourne Storm, how would it how would your work with, with your with the athletes change depending to a developing like maturing athlete compared to sort of someone who's later in their career? Like what are the major differences when working with developing footballers? Yeah, so a lot of it comes with what their basic knowledge is first. So what have they had before they come? Mm. And certainly one thing that I really recommend everyone do if they want to be, learn how to cook. Because the ones who come into the system who don't even know how to make an omelette or can't cut up some veggies for a basic stir fry, then how are they going to be eating what I suggest that they be eating? I always, when I talk to school groups or young athletes, I say, just get two or three dishes under your belt. Mm-hmm. And even for non-athletes, that you can come home and cook up quickly and then you're going to eat nutritiously. So that's that's the first thing I notice when a young group come in, much more likely to succeed if you've got some skills in the kitchen. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then number two is their body composition generally. And actually, before I go to that, no, it's probably what they eat at home as family, what family influences being. And I can think of people like, say, Isaac Smith, um, who had... Uh, a mum and a nurse and had some good upbringing of just general healthy nutrition at home and that means that they've already got good habits so one's their skills two is what the family eat yep three is if they've often been through an afl cup system or tac cup system at footy they may have already had some access to a dietitian and have some individual advice or they may have gone to a private dietitian to see one and then it's about their um, body composition jack so like if we think of some players who have come and they're already quite muscular and got a developed body at 17 or 18 and others are just nowhere near it yet so that makes a big difference is how i'll work with them yeah sure fantastic yeah so it's it's quite a um it's system orientated and there's a fair bit of teaching involved isn't there like i noticed your cooking classes was how often was it once a week was it for the first yeah yeah. And to the supermarket. And I remember yeah. taking the Melbourne Storm Boys to the supermarket at this little supermarket in Richmond. Seven of them are me and they're blocking the aisles. <laughs> but they can always grab the things off the top shelf for the top shelf for me because people who have met me, I'm only five foot two and wooden players and, and rugby league players even tend to be six foot plus. So it's quite handy to take them to the supermarket with me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and what about the guys that want to prolong their career? How does it change? What's sort of the priority with those guys? So I think if we go back to what you were saying before starting, so when they start, they often want to put on muscle and that's what they're all focused on. And so it's about making sure that they eat before training and after training and get plenty of um, kilojoules and in and also enough protein, enough carbs, enough vitamins and minerals. And then we flip to the other end and it's pro- we no longer want to put on weight in general for those yeah. guys. Yeah. So it's about then working at them getting enough fuel before training and after training, but not so much that they start to put on either too much muscle or too much body fat. So it's really getting them to know their body about their hunger, being yeah. really in tune with their body and their energy levels and monitoring those so they don't put on too much weight. Yeah, sure. And I know you have a strong stance with like if an athlete comes with you and they say, I want to lose weight, Simone, and this sort of terminology, what's your process there for guys yeah. that might be listening that they've been told they need to lose weight maybe by a coach or a peer uh, or in themselves they feel like they need to lose weight? What's the process for I them? don't focus on weight and you probably know that for me, Jack. Is yeah. Focus on nourishing your body first. Focus on your energy levels. Yep. Um, and if you're choosing the most nourishing foods, and that's generally plenty of vegetables, even for an athlete, half to a third of your plate vegetables, because vegetables are 80% water, 
they're naturally going to sort of count the calories for you without you needing to count them. Fantastic. So you can monitor your weight by simply looking at making sure you've got lots of veggies in your diet, you're choosing whole grains so they're going to be full of fibre and fill you up. Mm. And the most important thing is being in tune with when you're hungry, not so hungry, travel days, down days, and not eating like a robot. Anyone wants to lose weight, I always talk to them about don't focus on the scales, but focus on what your body needs. And if you get to know when you need a bit more and when you need a bit less, the weight will generally work itself out then. Yeah. If you eat like a robot and you just eat the same amount all the time, that's when you're likely to gain weight when your body doesn't need it. And, and that can be if you're following a diet, you might eat like a robot because you're sort of just following a rigid plan exactly and that's why i would never write diets for our footy players at hawthorne i would write ideas but and and the types of food but i'm very reluctant to give people quantities Mm. so if i'm talking to them about i think porridge would be great for you for breakfast or muesli and i say well how much you're having today will be different to how much you might need tomorrow yes so eat slowly so that you can stop before you're too full Yep. Um, and when I was work, working at cricket, I would always talk to them about, and Andrew Simons, mm. I talked to them to eat to 7 out of 10, not 10 out of 10. Yeah, and okay. I remember one night, it was a lunch or dinner, I think it was at the MCG during a test match. And I, I must have been hungry that day and my plate was quite piled. And I remember him walking past me saying, how are you going to be out of that? Are you going to be 11 out of 10? <laughs> the number, so 7 out of 10, what do you mean by that? Oh, right, yeah. So you're not eating to absolutely be full. You're eating to just nourish yourself and what your body needs. Yeah. And uh, I like how you mentioned eating slow. So what's why is that important to eat slow? The best people of knowing when they've had enough to eat are kids, little kids. And then we tend to beat it out of them. By, yeah. You, you haven't had enough. And it's like kids are very good intuitive eaters. And yeah. us as adults we actually look at them more. They have periods where they've got gross spurts and they're really hungry. Yep. And they have the days when they're not very hungry. And that's as adults is what we should do is eat slowly so that we've got a chance for our stomach to tell our brain that we've had enough yep. before we've dropped it all down and gone, oh, my God, I've eaten too much and it's too late. So yes. yep, yep, yep. mindful, do it well, think about it, and don't get used to thinking that you are hungry just because you're not full. So hungry is that empty type feeling, that rumbling in your stomach, that, yeah, I haven't eaten for three or four hours. But some people get so used to overeating and eating till they're 10 out of 10 that when they're 7 out of 10, they think they're hungry and it's time to eat. Yeah, right, okay. But it's, yeah, yeah. so that, it's, it's quite healthy to feel hungry. Yeah. 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 The only time, if you talk to people or people who are on the thinner side, often they are people who don't prioritise eating. They're not really that interested in eating. They ignore hunger when they're hungry. And for young athletes or any athlete who wants to put on weight, often I find they're the people who who struggle to, the people who are not really that interested in eating. Mm. And so they're too busy doing something else and they forget to eat. So I often have to remind them that when you're hungry, you actually need to eat. And the only way you're going to put on weight is to eat. Yeah. So we have different people and different interests in food. It definitely seems to be something I've noticed when working with athletes and art and just asking the basics of with it, what, what do they eat throughout the day. And one trend I do notice is that, so your book's The Athlete Way, there's almost like an Australian way where if people don't have cereal for breakfast, they'll have nothing. So it's like this nature, what's the easiest thing to get the meal because of time or whatever it might be, but there's this conditioning to ha- not really having real food in a sense 
for breakfast yeah. how, how do you transition people to if they say i'm just not hungry in the morning like is that something yeah. you just you listen to and yeah you, you don't eat that morning or do you do you have to out is there an element yeah. of a process to to shift that yeah that's a good one because sometimes what happens is i usually ask them what is the last time you ate the night before yeah. Because what often happens is people who aren't hungry in the morning eat their dinner late, eat a big dinner, and then often eat a snack as well. And therefore, they're not hungry in the morning because there hasn't really been a long period of time without them eating. So that's the number one what I would check. And sometimes it's moving their dinner earlier or not having a late snack because they might not need it. Number two, and, and because we tend to also get hungry a bit based on our biological clock of when we're used to eating. Right. So upbringing comes into it. Yeah. yeah, and so the other part is it depends what they're trying to achieve. So if they're trying to achieve weight gain and they're going to be training in the morning, then I'll say, well, you're probably going to have to suck it up and you're going to have to have something to eat. Yeah. Because if you want to train and you want to put on weight, then you, we're going to have to start with some fuel in your system. Otherwise, the energy to train, you're going to be building, breaking down your stores from your muscles, yeah. and then we're not going to leave anything to build the muscles. So it depends what their goal is. Yes. And just change the quantity that you're having. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. There's a couple of big gems there. So, then, yeah, eating late and depending on your goals, you sometimes you just got to suck it up yeah. and get the fuel in. So, Jack, and just for yeah. kids, I would never recommend they don't eat breakfast if they're going to school. And so that's just about, well, could you have a glass of milk? Or if you're not hungry at 7 or 7.30, could you take something and eat it at 8.30 just before you go into class when you might be hungry? Sure. Um, and then if they're really not hungry, it's like, making sure that recess time is going to be a nourishing snack. It's not going to be the packet of chips or the donuts and the canteen necessarily. Yep. It's really thinking about what am I going to get in at recess then if I haven't had breakfast or I don't feel like breakfast and it's mm. taking a sandwich for recess or some yogurt and fruit or um, a wrap or whatever it might be. So that's important as well. Yeah, yeah. So there's a fair bit of preparation as an athlete here. That you need to get into don't you like it, it, how yeah. do you like for the younger guys that are getting used to the athlete's lifestyle you recommend things like meal prep on a sunday or is there a day of a week or is it night before what sort of routine do you recommend i usually talk to them about what resources and what help have they got so if they're at home and they got mum or dad i don't want them to rely solely on mum or dad i want them yeah. to develop some skills for themselves but still take into consideration if mum's going to be cooking dinner could you help her one night a week so you improve your cooking skills? Have you thought about what you're doing for breakfast and what you're taking to have after school, for instance, or after work before you go to training? So which bits are going to be for them to prep and which bits can actually be taken care of by someone else in the household? Because if it becomes too overwhelming, someone might not do any of it. So yeah. break it down into what, what can you do and what can you take care of and what can you maybe give to someone else is what I would first look at. Yeah, And then if they're adult living on their own or whatever, it's, a, it's again about what do they like to do because yeah. to some people food prep is enjoyable, other people it's a chore. So I would talk to them about, okay, well, if you're going to cook Monday night and it's going to be, I don't know, spaghetti bolognese night, then let's make double of that pasta sauce but take half of it and add zucchini and carrot and eggplant and kidney beans and chilli and make a chilli con carne for another night. So it, it depends on what that person as to food prep doesn't have to be all Sunday. And I've actually written a blog um, on that on my website about doesn't awesome. need to take all Sunday. Frozen veggies, canned veggies, one meal becoming three different types of meals in one. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, it's quite individual how it 
Yeah. And what's the blog? How do people find the blog? Oh, so if they go to simoneaustin.com.au to my website, um, you'll see there's an array of blogs there. And I think it was probably two or three months ago I wrote one on, uh, on meal prepping and then it doesn't have to take all Sunday. Fantastic. Last one yeah. for me and then I'll hand it over to you guys. So if, if you have any questions for Simone, just use the question mark at the bottom. Well, of I this can see Tess. One of my, I can see Tess, one of uh, someone there I know there who does lots. She's a good PT there. I can see Tess. Tess has joined us. Oh, uh, she has? Yeah, there's uh, a few people writing some comments. Yes, 7 out of 10 is more sustainable than 10 out of 10. Good name yeah. for the book. So if you have any questions, guys, rather than use the commenting because it's hard to scroll through, just use that question mark button on the bottom of, the, of your phone there. I'm sure Simone will be happy to answer it, but we are wrapping it up now. Uh, last one. So you've seen athletes from all different high-performance um, sports, both young and old. What's a couple of traits that you, you get excited about when it's your first consultation with the athlete and you, you, you're sitting down, you're talking to them, and they're, they're starting to explain their history and what's something that straight away, like, oh, this is going to be a good, we're going to get a work, good working relationship here. When they like cooking or they like food, when they actually genuinely have a like, uh, and they don't have to love it, but when they're just interested in food and tasting new foods and having a go, I know that that's going to be good. When people are really narrow in their food choices, it's much harder to get them to get all the nutrients they're in and passionate about the food because if they're more passionate about it, they're going to put some effort into it. So, But what I have loved, what I really love, is when I work with an athlete who isn't passionate at the start and doesn't have many cooking skills, and I can remember it probably... Eight, ten years ago, I had a Hawthorne footy player. He was from the country, and I remember our first cooking session. Yeah. And he could hardly chop carrots. He Cooking was a real chore, and I could see him getting really frustrated. And then and we did lots of cooking sessions. And one day I said, how was your weekend? And he said, oh, my parents came down for the weekend, and I cooked some homemade gnocchi. Right. Now, I, like, I was really – that just – I never forget that. And that just made me think he's learnt a life skill. His nutrition now will carry on. Because he can prepare some basic foods, and that's yeah. really important. Yeah, fantastic. If I'm trying to lose weight and burning 2,500 calories a day, how many calories should I be consuming a day? So, what? yeah, what's your take on calorie counting? No, I do it, darling, because I never count calories. So I suggest that any of those, even those calorie counting things, have so many inaccuracies in them. So there might be a guide, but ask yourself why you're worried about knowing how many calories you've burnt and why do you need to know how many you're consuming in a day. What I suggest you focus on more is have I got all the nourishment I need for the day? Have I got my calcium, my protein, my vitamins, my minerals, my healthy fats in? Have I got 20 or different so plant foods in over my week? 30 is actually the aim. That is so much more critical. And then your calorie intake will really be, Charlie, measured on your energy levels. So if you're not eating enough total calories, you'll know because you'll feel flat, you'll feel tired, and you'll probably start to lose weight. And then you just know you simply need to eat more of all the different foods. I wouldn't be worrying about counting your calories because you may cut out enough protein, you may just have too many carb calories. Think of your plate. And about a third vegetables, a third protein, and a third carbohydrate for athletes. And up and down that, depending on how hungry you are, keeping it in about the same proportions of carb, protein, and veggies. Yeah. I've just started working with Charlie the last couple of weeks. He's got some fantastic questions. He's hungry to learn. So thank you for that. Well, Charlie, you have to go and buy my book, Eat Like an Athlete. <laughs> Eat Like an Athlete. Soak it all up. Have we got any other questions, crew? I'm just going to scroll and see if anyone's written it in the comments. If you do, use that question mark button like Charlie if, just did. 
think for some good advice, um, sports dietitians Australia have a whole lot of fact sheets, and you can look up your sport. You can look up, do I want to know more about carbs or fluid or whatever it is. So they're all free, and you can also find accredited sports dietitians on there near you. You can look up their websites and things like that to get some advice as well. This one is from D Bruce. Hey guys, X Hawk Osteo here. Great session with done, Simone. Yeah. It's hard to read the actual... Elite gymnast training 26 hours a week. Very good diet. Oh, okay. We cook at home. He eats most things. He's naturally very lean. Anything... I can't read the next bit, though. Anything... Yeah, I can't actually... I can only see half of what you read, read out. All right, so I'll start with that, though. That's enough in that he has a very good diet and he trains a lot. So really important to be um, looking at fueling before and after sessions because if you're training that much, then you're definitely backing up sessions. So... Every time you do a session, your recovery is going to be actually preparing you also for the next session because if you've got 26 hours a week, that's probably two sessions a day most of the time. So that's a bit of where planning comes in. And I usually suggest two lunches, breakfast and early lunch, like at 10.30 or 11 o'clock, whatever time recess is, another lunch at lunchtime, and then taking something for after school or having a mini meal after school and then having your dinner because the likelihood is you're going to be training in the evening and you don't want to be having dinner at nine o'clock at night. So I would be maybe splitting half your dinner before training and then maybe half your dinner after training. So it's a lot of meals and smaller size meals rather than so many snack foods because meal foods are going to be much more nourishing and give you enough protein and carbs and fats in your diet. So that would be my suggestion. What's your take on supplements with, with younger athletes or athletes in general? Where's the yeah, so Sports Dietitian Australia has a good athlete supplement position statement and generally under 16 we don't recommend supplements unless there's some medical need for them, iron deficiency, calcium, growth issue or something like that. You should be able to get your nutrients from food, but if you have a, a reason, a nutritional reason, and that's what we have to show in AFL now, if there's no nutritional reason, then there isn't a reason to take it. And that's what I would stick to. Protein powders and things. Most people don't realize that a protein powder is basically milk powder that's been processed. So a much cheaper version is to go and buy skim milk powder, $7 a kilo or something at the supermarket rather yeah, well. than $40 a kilo. And it's not as refined. It's not as processed. And it doesn't have, it doesn't have artificial sweetness and flavors and colors and things in it. So I'd be going for milk. Um, skim milk powder if you need it, making your own smoothies so to cover that protein part and any other supplements, whether it be omega-3s, anything like that, get medical advice or dietetic advice and be very careful of any pre-workouts. I'm not a pre-workout fan. Have a cup of coffee if you want some caffeine, but don't be trying to get high levels in pre-workout. Fantastic. Oh, well, thank you so much for this. Yeah, it's been really, really helpful. And these sessions are recorded. So there's been probably over a thousand gem- gems that you've you've dropped there. So if you joined us late, you can you can watch from the start. Simone yeah. presented now for 30 minutes and, and been educating us the whole way through. So make sure you watch it from the very start. What are you excited about for 2021? I know you've had some recent changes. Some more media work, partnerships with Australian Almond Board and Rakeby Farms. I'm not planning to write another book real quickly, but certainly follow yeah. on the Instagram and continuing to do more of these sorts of things. And I've accidentally pressed some sort of fancy uh-huh. thing. So, yeah, connect on Instagram and let me know how you're going. But make healthy choices, the easy choices, and just enjoy food. Love it. Well, we'll leave it on that note. Thank, Thank you so much, Simone. Thanks for joining us. Okay. Cheers, bye.